does have a beautiful voice, and everybody she sings does. like a goddamn frog when they imitate her. All right. <laughs> Welcome to SVU Pod, especially heinous. I'm Tasha. I'm Gabe. We're on season two, episode 19, Parasites. Parasites, yeah. Parasites. 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 I don't understand how that's a robot voice. I don't know. Ketter, parasites. Have Ketter do it. She's the one that told me how to show me how to do it. Parasites. And she's, but you have to say something like Robotty? About being alive or something like I don't know. I love you. <laughs> I wish I could feel <laughs> I'll never die. <laughs> <laughs> I can't swallow. <laughs> I watch you while you sleep. (laughs) (laughs) I'm having an affair with Roomba. (laughs) Someone kill me already. (laughs) Put me in the bathtub. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we gotta stop. I mean, but do we? No. Um. <laughs> I looked at the electrical panel the other day, and I came. <laughs> okay, I don't understand how that's a robot. I'm going to have to hear Ketter do it. Should we just get going? Yes, please. <laughs> the microwave is my nephew. <laughs> is a blender. <laughs> hey, Mike. Hey, Mike. Hey, Alexa. Wanna fuck? <laughs> Why is the robot so horny? <laughs> don't know. You did that. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> it looks right. like the electrical socket. Like... Oh, <laughs> <gasps> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We haven't even started. Okay, wait. All right, two dudes are digging a hole for an above-ground jacuzzi, and the owner of the house is just like, I just need to be that deep, blah, blah, blah. We're going to have to take out all the extra foliage, the hostas. (laughs) This guy went to the Nathan Lane voice acting school of acting because he's like, it's an above-ground jacuzzi. I don't know why you have to dig it so deep. (laughs) It's just like, really? (laughs) He pulls out a fan, he's like... Robin Williams fucking taps by. Fossey, fossey, fossey. So he's also bitching about the previous owners leaving the place a mess and, you know, dig up the hostas. I don't care. They're like, sure, we'll get rid of this stuff for free because, like, the hostas they can sell on the side for extra money. (laughs) Which is funny because you can plant a hosta from another piece of a hosta and it'll grow like a gigantic hosta. Maybe they want them already grown. I don't know. I don't care. I don't get it. So all of a sudden, the dude's like digging a friggin' hole and Mm -hmm. he puts his shovel in and pulls out like a whole skull i laughed so i know so fucking hard. i know we do like this guy is standing in this waist deep hole and all of a sudden he's like 
whoa, and he's got a shovel full of skull. Yeah. And he's like, oh, geez. <laughs> yeah. Cut to NYPD friends ex- excavating a body, you know, in said hole. Benson and Stabler are interviewing the homeowners. They just closed like a month ago. You know, the guy is all like, blah, 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 blah. Benson's like, you guys got to get the fuck out of the crime scene. Like, get out of here. Yeah. So the ME says that the body seems to be a human female under 30. Yes. I said a human female. I don't know why I said human female. They well, he said a white female based on her skeletal structure. He said that she seemed to be a white female oh. and under 30 years old. Oh, I didn't hear the white part. Anyways, he said Caucasian. Oh, only a few scraps of clothes didn't decompose. And then you fucking see Stabler. He's got a fucking brimmed hat. I've never seen him like that. I took a picture of it. Like a baseball hat? Yeah. Usually it's like a Newsies hat. I know. I'm not here for this hat journey for him. I'm not. I liked it. I took a picture. I thought you looked hot. Really? Yeah. I thought you would hate it. Why? Uh, Because you hated any guy that I, well, not like if I was like, that guy's cute. And you'd be like, oh my God, he's got a baseball hat on and a fucking goatee like you. (laughs) It's not the hat, dude. It was never the hat. They were always pieces of shit. Yeah. And they were like, um, bro-y. Yeah. I don't like bro-y dudes. I can't believe I was so into bro dudes. Yeah, that was so weird. Who was that one guy? Was it Kyle? His name was Kyle or something? He had he was into country. What? Super hard. Remember? Oh. And he had a roommate named Clint or something. What? And we watched Cannibal the Musical at his house. I have no you idea. You dumped him. Yeah, I think he had a van. I don't know. A van? You dumped him. <gasps> was it the was guy a- who was super into animals and he had tattoos of animals all over his legs and he took me to the zoo? I don't know. <laughs> Our first date, he took me to He's like, I love animals. I'm like, no, you don't, because these animals are in prison. Yeah. This guy, you like dated him for a minute. Craig. Craig. Yeah. That's it. See, if you would have been like, remember, and then we saw him after you broke up with him, and, and he was wearing that hoodie, but with no sleeves, and we made fun of him for it until he took it off. <laughs> no, I don't remember that. It was at some art gallery thing. We made Did fun of him at a, we made, we like l- made fun of him to him? Yeah. You were like, you know, when you're like middle is freezing and your arms are like so hot. Thank God you found something that fixes that problem, Craig. I said that. God, yeah. what a prick. I'm such a dick. Whatever. He was kind of a dick. <laughs> you know, he was fine, but he was like a weird kind of fuck boy. Yeah. Anyway. Anyways, <laughs> um, I'm not here for the hat. I'm not. Okay. So with the bones, there's a studded collar and leash. And that's why they called SVU. Mm -hmm. And then fucking Stabler says, looks like our bone lady was somebody's pet. And I was like, no. And Olivia was like, her face was like, you know that thing when you're holding back barf and your teeth are showing like this? Wait. (laughs) The cringe face. And you're like swallowing to like not throw up. She's like, I'm sorry. Don't you have a bus trip to a baseball game you're going to be late for like yeah isn't it the twins birthday yet <laughs> okay benson and stabler are talking to a neighbor stabler took his stupid hat off after benson roasted him while we were watching the opening credits <laughs> brad and abby stanton were the previous owners of the house and they fought all the time until abby moved out four years prior mm-hmm. the neighbor says that he heard them fighting loud but never saw anything violent so abby stanton kept coming back she she came back like a year later and Brad would give her money and it became like a weekly thing for a month or so. Mm-hmm. Then one time she came by and he didn't answer. So she's outside screaming that she'll report him to the medical board for having sex with his patients. He's a surgeon. While she's like screaming, the door busts open and Abby gets her ass beat by Brad's new wife, Pam. Are you saying Pan or Pam? <laughs> <laughs> Pam. <laughs> 
After that incident, the neighbor said that he never saw Abby again. So they're right. like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now we're at the precinct. Munch and Toots are showing Craig in photos of the bones and the crucifix the, vic- the victim was wearing and the dog collar and leash. It was really funny the way they were displaying it, too, because you're looking from their perspective at this paper. Mm-hmm. And Munch is like, hey, look at this. And it's a crucifix. And then Toots just like slides the picture of the dog collar and leash on top and goes, check this out. <laughs> <laughs> we get it. They had found some prints, but they were off being analyzed. So the Vic was probably buried for like three years. Benson and Stabler then show up and fill Craig in on the drama that they found. Mm-hmm. And Stabler's like, it reads like a bad soap opera. Dr. Mary's wife number two and wife number one mysteriously disappears. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it does read like a bad soap opera. Yeah. Except in a bad soap opera, there would be magic involved and... <laughs> a demon or something, yeah. Yeah, and wife number one would eventually come back. Right, after being in a coma And be like, for... I was bare, I dug myself out of the ground and I, I killed your new wife and I... No. Wore her face. And I... Or whatever. <laughs> What? <laughs> I just like how I had this stupid accent. I'm like, I killed your new wife. And you're like, and I wore her face. <laughs> wore her face. I don't know. I got her face on. Action. Um. <laughs> so Craig wants Benson Saber to talk to Brad Stanton and his new wife, Pan, and Munch and Toots to check around and see if anyone remembers Brad's first wife, Abby. Mm-hmm. Munch and Toots are there at the apartment of the landlord who owns a ton of buildings on the block that look over the Stanton crime scene where the bones were. I love this lady. I know. I was like so excited goes, for you to hear. She's all jowls. They're like, oh, do you remember anybody going missing? And she's like, yeah, they go missing when they forget to pay their rent for three months. Meanwhile, that's lost income. So Munch wants a list of all the tenants during those years, and she opens this file cabinet, like, stuffed to the brim with, like, poorly organized papers everywhere, which I know made Tasha almost barf. I was so triggered. It was cartoonishly (laughs) disorganized, and they were like, whoa. And I was like... Was that uh, um, a gu- you shooting yourself in the head or in your in your no, mouth? No, that was an inhaler. In- inhaler. I wasn't sure. I thought. It was <laughs> anyway, so she gives them this like mess of files, and she's like, "Knock yourselves out." Yeah. Now we're at the house of Brad and Pan Stanton. I will not stop call her Pan. Her pan. <laughs> I will. St- I won't stop. Pan Stanton. Pan Stampton. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Benson and Sabler are talking to Pam. She's like a nurse or something. She did not like Abby. Mm -hmm. She said she was a bottom-feeding, mainlining junkie, and she kicked Abby's ass for accusing Brad of sleeping with his patients. And she was like, me and her were friends once in nursing school. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Why are we breezing past this? Mm Y'all were friends in nursing school, and then you married her ex-husband? Like a year later? Yeah. That is some girl code shit that I would not be about. Mm -hmm. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. I'm saying it right now. I'm not a fan of Pam. I don't like Pam. I'm not a fan of Pam. <laughs> so, especially if it, Abby showed back up a year later and he was already married to her friend. Mm-hmm. So, Abby and Brad divorced in 97, and Pam said he was very generous with Abby <laughs> with money until Pam put her foot down and told Brad to cut her off. Mm-hmm. About three years ago, and she hadn't heard from her since. Mm-hmm. They let Pam know that a body has been found in the backyard of the old house and it's been there for about three years. She's like, look, Brad couldn't kill anybody, not even that horrible bitch. And I'm like, dude, 
she is dead and buried in your backyard. Like, let's do a little less smug, stand by your man shit. Yeah. And while we're at it, let's go easy on the perm. Pam. Pan. You stupid bitch. <laughs> I'm just mad because she killed Abby. On this podcast, we love Abby's. <laughs> I stand by Abby. I stand by Abby. <laughs> that goes for all Abby's. <laughs> I love you. We Abby. love you, Abby. She likes. She's like. I like when you guys say my name, Abby. <laughs> now we're at the hospital where freaking Brad works. Benson and Stabler are talking to Brad. He says he didn't kill Abby. They're outside at the hospital so he can smoke a cigarette. Weird on his break. <laughs> he said she was killing herself with her habits. He loved her, and when they met, she was just on Xanax for anxiety and started stealing shit. Like what is it? I don't know. Demerol and Dilaudid, but he pronounces it Dilaudid, so I found another reason why I don't like him. <laughs> but um, he's like, she was stealing Demerol and Dilaudid from the hospital until they fired her. Did he sound like that? No. I just kind of ended up there. But <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I was like, oh, I don't remember him being fancy. No, not at all. But they're both like intense painkillers, like numb you out. And I got a shot of Demerol when I got run over. And oh, that's right. When I was in the emergency room, they gave me a tetanus shot and a fucking shot of Demerol in my ass. And it made me so fucking like immediately sick to my stomach, like Oof. nauseous. But nothing hurt anymore. Woo. <laughs> they were doing x-rays on my hand and stuff. And I was like, I'm fucking Bruce Willis from Unbreakable. <laughs> they couldn't find any broken bones. <laughs> They're like, honey, all of your muscles are crushed. But like, anyway. <laughs> I forgot about that. Anyways, the hospital ended up having to fire her. And mm. he was like, I had to sit by powerless and watch her hit bottom. And Pam fucking pops out of nowhere and she's like, leave us alone. Yeah. And I'm like, Pam, your <laughs> husband's ex-wife is missing and there are skeletal remains under the hydrangeas of your old brownstone. The police are going to talk to you. Yeah, like chill I out. I fucking hate Pam. I <laughs> know. He's a bitch. <laughs> Don't pop in. Well, why are you talking to him? And it's like, you know what? You're making it seem like you did something. Yeah. So then he was like, look, Pam ran off because he's like, I'll see you inside. He's like, look, the body isn't Abby. Then writes something down on a piece of paper and hands it to Benson and Stabler and says, please, whatever you do, don't tell Pam. And I was like, he goes, I think this is what you're looking for. So now we're at Mercy Aids Hospice. Mm. Mm. Benson Stabler are looking at Abby. She has AIDS-related dementia, and Brad is paying the bills and keeping, like, the roses fresh. Mm -hmm. um, he hasn't been in since he brought her in. And I didn't really know that there was AIDS-related dementia, and that really sucks. I know. I know. That's awful. Yeah. But I'm, like, still angry because... At Pam? Well, he's like, don't tell Pam. And I'm like, what kind of psychotic monster is Pam? She may not have anything to do with killing anyone, but I'm calling it now. She's the worst person this entire episode. <laughs> I'm wrong, but that's what I said in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like this was your friend. You married her husband. And he doesn't she's... want you to find out that he's paying for her AIDS hospice. Fuck you, Pam. Yeah. God, I hated her hair. Fucking Pam. So yeah, so back to square one, which is the bones. Which they say this like five times. Yeah, back, Gotta go back to the bones. Oh, my God. By the end of the episode, they said Bones another time. And I was like, is this going to be a fucking Bones crossover episode? What is this? <laughs> yeah. They kept referencing the Bones. So now we're at the Emmy office. The examiner has the Bones lined up, like, all in order in, like, the right way where the body is. It's giving me, like, a hard osteology boner. Like, I love <laughs> osteology. And yeah. uh, I was like, oh, my God, it's perfect. 
Benson and Stabler find out from the Emmy that the cause of death was strangulation. Her like hyoid boy was hyoid boy. Her hyoid, hyoid bone was crushed and other stuff. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So her wrist is broken too. And then they find out she's about 5'4 and he thinks she was Eastern European. He thinks this because he found traces of arsenic in her teeth, which is an old Russian dental practice. So a forensic anthropologist did a digital reconstruction of facial tissue over the skull to make a picture of what the victim probably looked like. Yeah, and they're all standing over his shoulder watching this lightning fast 2001 digital technology <laughs> whirl around them like the fucking colors of the wind. <laughs> it's it's like living their problematic Disney Pocahontas <laughs> fantasy. <laughs> it was one of those like flat Apple desktop things too uh, which oh, yeah, was like the- super fancy at the time mm-hmm. but anytime it would like do something it would be like <laughs> <laughs> but the forensic anthropologist at the computer tells them it's a pretty good representation of what she probably looked like and then the computer was like hey I don't sound like that <laughs> You guys want me to print this out? <laughs> you guys want to get drinks later? I was just going to say, no. I was just going to say, <laughs> what are you guys doing after this? <laughs> oh my God. I can't laugh. I'm like getting lightheaded. I didn't are eat anything. That, are we that simpatico in sync? Or is that so. like a cliche robot thing? <laughs> We're back in the squad room. We're back in the squad room. Okay, sorry. Back in the squad room, Munch and Toots are looking through the terribly kept files of the tenants in the building surrounding the crime scene. So they've got some of these Eastern European sounding names. So now the whole crew, like the four, Benson, Munch, Stabler, and Toots, they all have their desks pushed together, which they don't normally do, but for Mm -hmm. visuals sake they do. And they're all on their phones and they're calling in different leads that they think they have and they're having a hard time. Like, you'll just hear one of them be like, oh, we have nothing to do with immigration. And then somebody being like, no, just talk to me. Oh, immigrants don't trust cops? Yeah, duh. I wonder why. Yeah. So combined, the four detectives have like 11 people that they can't play... Benson and Stabler are now at missing persons, and there's no match so far. And Stabler's like, how many of these are there? And the missing persons guy slash backup dancer is like, (laughs) three boxes. You know how many women go missing in the city every year? Benson shoots him a look like, um, yeah, we do, you dick. Why don't you go practice your eight count for the Paul Abdul performance you've got coming up? (laughs) A five, six, seven... (laughs) There were too many goatees in this episode. He was very Kevin Federline, early 2000s. Then Stabler comes upon a photo of a woman who looks similar to the digital portrait, and he shows it to them, and I'm like, okay, sure. We've got to move the story along. It looks like any white lady, but okay. (laughs) Right. Her name is Ava Perulis. Now, the Emmy eventually says her name the way I would pronounce it, which is Ava. Yeah. But because they say Ava the whole time, we're just going to say Ava. Okay. She went missing in April of 98. She also had an apartment behind the crime scene. A guy in Queens named George Burton reported her missing, and the detective that was assigned to her case retired to Arizona last year. Mm-hmm. So right away, I'm like, oh my God, Stabler's so pumped. Arizona? Should I pack my Hawaiian shirt, tank top, and new balances? <laughs> Woo, desert weather! <laughs> like, 
I'm going to buy so much turquoise. <laughs> oh my God. Can you imagine him being an Arizona like old guy? I could. I can immediately yeah. picture like big turquoise rings and mm-hmm. hammered copper bracelets and stuff. Yeah, dude. What kind of hat would he wear for that? Ooh, uh, he would have one of those tiny curled up cowboy hat things. Oh, yeah. I was thinking like one of the hat with like a big pheasant thing in the front. <laughs> you know? <laughs> that might be too much, though. Or like one that has a flap in the back to cover the back of his neck. Mm, yeah. So now we're at George Burton's house. There's this cute little girl who's outside and she's like, I'm not supposed to talk to strangers to Benson and Stabler. Like, that's right. You're not supposed to talk to strangers. And Stabler's like, what if we said we were cops? And she's like, show me your badge. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, where's your ID? And he's like, um, right again. Good job. Yeah. And, like, anyone could pretend to be a cop, but whatever. Trust no one ever. Trust no one ever. No. So, Burton comes to the door and tells his little daughter, Julie, to go inside. Turns out Ava, the victim, was Burton's sister-in-law. He's Mm -hmm. excited they found her. They hand him a pic of Ava from Missing Persons. He's like, I gave this to the cops. And then the dude's wife shows up. She's like, oh, my God, is everything okay? And this lady looks exactly like Ava. So then I'm like, oh, my God, I'm calling it. His wife is actually Ava and killed her sister to be safe or let bad people kill her. So Ava and her twin sister, Irina, came here five years ago from Romania. Irina is sitting there going, she was always bossing me around. And I'm like, that's fucking suspicious. Like, she's been missing for three years. And that's the first thing you say about your sister. Yeah. So I guess they weren't really super close at that time. Maybe She's... because you make everything about you, Arena. But... Right. Okay. What are you, Pam? God. <laughs> You're the Pam of the twin group. <laughs> Arena said that Ava went from one rich guy to the next until she met the wrong one. Mm-hmm. And then Arena gets upset and leaves the room. And her husband stays to finish talking to the detectives. Yeah. So George says that Irina and Ava went through hell growing up, orphanages, abuse, and they came to the U.S. and all they had was each other. And then they had a falling out. Irina had told her to grow up and Ava wanted something else than what Irina had. And then Ava never showed up to Julie's. Is it Julia or Julie? I think it's Julia. Okay. Well, Ava never showed up for um, Julia's first birthday. And that was like the last. Julia. <laughs> did I did I say Judia? You're like, is it Julia or or Julie? Okay, Judia. <laughs> Ava never showed up for Julia's first birthday. Ava never showed up for Frank's first birthday, and it was. <laughs> And that was the last straw for Irina. George says he went looking for Ava to patch stuff up, but Ava was gone and her apartment was empty. That gave him a bad feeling, and that's why he's the one who called the police. Yeah, and he only remembers the name of one guy Ava was seeing, um, and his name is Matt Sloan. And I don't trust that name, so I'm already leery about this guy. I know. I was like, did they just... Yeah. Not enough syllables. Yeah. Mm -mm. Matt Sloan. (laughs) Now... (laughs) Matt. Sloan. Now we're at Sloan Importers. Benson and Stabler are talking to Sloan. He says that Ava was sexy and adventurous. Stabler asked him if they were into S&M, and he's like, I'm not into that. So he was with Ava for about four months, and all around his office are framed photos, and Stabler's like, these your girlfriends? He had multiple framed photos of varying sizes like a bunch. I counted five just on an end table, full fucking eight by tens, no Bill Clinton portrait to be found. But it was all, what a bizarre thing. Are these your girlfriends? Just like photos of you and ladies, just random ladies all in over your, your fucking office. office. In it's your weird. Office. It's super weird. It didn't make any sense. Yeah. And it doesn't. There's yeah. no explanation for it. Yeah. And he's like, well, I like beautiful women. And it's like, okay. 
you're okay, weird. Get a fucking calendar, dude. Like, what is this? <laughs> this is weird. Right. Don't you have a photo of your family or like you and your dog or something? You're like, nope, just like, a bunch of chicks I fucked, maybe. This is your office. It's so fucking weird. So Ava helped him get business overseas. This was like an arrangement. He kept calling it an arrangement. Yeah. She helped him get business overseas because she was bilingual. And he's like, and the sex was great. Blech. But her trade-off was that she really liked expensive jewelry. And he's like, anything less, and she got mad at me. He terminated their agreement after she threw a merely $1,000 bottle of perfume in his face. Like, he, it wasn't expensive enough. She's like, mm -hmm. I want expensive jewelry. So then yeah. he's like, our, our agreement's done. So right. then the last time he saw her was at this UN get together, but she left with the Romanian deputy chief mission. And here I am like, I know they're going to like slut shame her forever because she fucking dates a lot of dudes and gets money, but I'm like, get it. Yeah. He goes, I don't know who brought her there, but she left with the Romanian deputy chief of mission. I don't know, Matt, you sound a little pressed knowing who she left a big ass UN event with, right. but whatever. Yeah. He's like, I don't even care, but I saw exactly who she left with and he was a big deal. Yeah. Now we're at the precinct and you just see Benson Stabes and Craigan walking in together and they're filling him in and you just hear Craigan go, a diplomat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Ava hooked up with rich dudes and then she would get what she wanted and then go on to the next one. Yeah. Then Toots walks in with Munch and says Sloan was picked up once for soliciting sex work and was specific about wanting a dog collar. What? I knew I didn't trust this guy. But his passport showed that he was out of the country when Ava went missing. So they didn't even have to mention this dude's kinks. But anyway. Yeah. Craigan sends Munch and Toots <laughs> off to find out how Ava got into the country in the first place and see if her landlady had anything else to tell them. So they're going to go back and talk to her. Yeah. Craigan sends Benson and Stabler to talk to the Romanian deputy chief guy that Ava left with at the UN. He's immune to arrest, but not to having a chat. And if they play their cards right, maybe he'll be cool. And I'm like, why is there immunity from arrest? Diplomatic immunity is the missing dick of season two. Dude, this, this I know. is the second instance of diplomatic yeah. immunity this season. Come on. Why wouldn't they just ha have like murder or like sex slavery stuff? Right. Universally not okay even by a diplomat. Like that's mm -hmm. fucking, that's fucked up. It's one of those things where you can have more than a post-it note size amount of rules. Yeah. There's not a single country that's like, Murder's fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? Now Benson and Stabler are at the permanent mission of Romania to the United States. From now on, let's just say mission, because that's what it's going to be. Because that's a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, I just licked my microphone. <laughs> so the detectives are talking to the Romanian guy, and he's tending to all these orchids. Yeah, which makes me think he's into S&M because I watched The Secretary once. Just kidding. I watched the secretary a million times, but like, yeah. So if Munch is Darkwing Duck, this guy is Professor Ludwig von Drake from DuckTales. Oh my God. Thank you for knowing who I was talking about. <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to do a side by side. So he says that Ava had a combination of greed and innocence, very common of girls from the countryside. Are we surprised that this guy is making a sweeping statement about a dead woman? Yeah, I know. Why would? No. He said that he and Ava weren't romantically involved, but he needed a woman at his side and she was bilingual and helped him with stuff. And she got to meet a bunch of dudes, important dudes. 
So he doesn't think that he knows of anyone who would want to hurt her. He goes on and on about how orchids are parasites and they cling to their host while they bloom beautifully, which seems like a supervillain thing to talk about. Totally. So now this guy's on my radar. We're talking about a missing girl. Yeah. You guys, let's get back to that. And he's like, you have to water orchids with ice cubes because they're sensitive. Like, fuck off. Right. He was, like, showing them this orchid that he had come up with. He had, like, spliced alleles and, like, fucking genome. I don't know. I don't Whatever. know words. I don't know plantology. Botany. Oh, my God. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> but, yeah, he had, like, created the perfect orchid, which you're not going to find anywhere, it anywhere in nature. Yeah. Okay. So he's talking all this orchid shit, and Stabler's like, oh, is that how you thought of Ava as a parasite? And he was like, you know, I feel like we had more of a symbiotic relationship. He goes on to say that he and Ava had never discussed how she got into the country, and there's all this immigration stuff, and there's no way to pinpoint how one person happened to get in. Which is like, so, what? Munch and Toots are back talking to the landlady, the extremely put out mm-hmm. landlady. Yeah. I remember her. <laughs> she walked around like the Zarina of 13th Street. Munch gets it because it's a reference to the Empress of Russia before 1917. <laughs> she knocks on a door that used to be Ava's apartment, doesn't even hesitate. She just walks in. She just walks yeah, in. Somebody else is living there now. Yeah. She's like Sanchez or whatever. And he like <laughs> just walks in. Coming in. She's, she like, says she's that- like going through this guy's stuff and like smelling stuff on the stove and like. Yeah. As the detectives like go to the window to see if they can see down to the backyard yeah, yeah. where the body was found and she's talking about how she only remembers this one dude that would come around all the time she's like always dressed to kill sugar daddy mercedes drivers they think they run the world he parked by a fire hydrant every time <laughs> toots how about a name and she's like specifics don't concern me <laughs> really bitch because you strike me as a fellow sea capper as a pastime kind of girl right? yeah yeah i think we've talked about sea cap before but it's just people's fucking police records and shit yeah like public and records, it is yeah. a good fucking time if i got nothing else going on i'm gonna look up old boyfriends new people i've met myself you know <laughs> see what's still on there but this lady is too interested she's smelling shit on the guy's stove Mm -hmm. and she's like looking through shit and talking about details of this other dude but specifics aren't her thing okay she says that ava showed up with just a suitcase and nothing else she actually screams it (laughs) she came with a suitcase nothing more than a suitcase this place is fully furnished then why are you mad that she only came with a suitcase if she got a furnished apartment (laughs) she was two months behind on the rent since she was murdered shouldn't the city reimburse me for that (laughs) this fucking guy lady so as the detectives assumed ava's room had a view of where she was later found dead Right. All right. So now we have a Benson and Stabler munching toots, walking, talking coffee. On the street. This is when they switched the coffee cups in New York because the first season they were different. And then for the rest of the next 22 years, there are all those like Greek looking blue ones. I don't know if you never noticed the coffee cups in SVU, but I, I do. I've never looked at the coffee cups. Oh my God. I. You've never noticed it? Really? No. Because it's the same one. It doesn't one. matter at all, but that's like my favorite thing. <laughs> Notice something that no one's noticed before. I love it. I love you so much. I love you too. Okay. What is this? Okay. Munch had found out that Ava had come to New York City in 96 on a fiancé visa. I know a decent amount about fiancé visas because I watch 90 Day Fiancé. And if you don't I haven't get seen it. 
into it. It is some of the best, most captivating television you will ever see in your life. I don't know. I know you're not like into reality shows and relationship shows, but dude, it is. Please give it like give it two episodes. Okay. And you're going to just fucking a K-hole. Is this the one with the guy with the short neck? Yeah, but that's like way, way, way into it. But yeah. So this the dude's name, the fiance visa guy's name was Paul Amis. Amis, whatever. So arrangements were made through an agency called Euromatch, mail order brides. And Munch says a stupid marriage joke about alimony and I didn't write it down. Yeah, I didn't either. I was like, I liked him at so many points this episode. And I'm like, shut the fuck up, Munch, with your stupid marriage (laughs) jokes, your cliche ass fucking marriage jokes, you divorced (laughs) motherfucker. (laughs) So Benson and Sable are going to go talk to Paul Amis and Munch and Toots are going to go talk to the Euromatch company. So now we're at Paul Amis's house. He's pissed and he, God, this guy, he said he shelled out 50k (laughs) to get Ava here. Benson says like, and all she has to do is cook and clean and be available for sex. And dude's like, it's called being a wife. Gross. This guy clearly takes better care of his ponytail than he did his relationship with Ava. Yeah. He said that the last time he saw her was the day he, quote, returned her after the 90 day trial period. And this Mm -hmm. dude looks like what every one is imagining i'm sure okay in case you're looking for specifics on this guy he's got a monochromatic slacks and blouse combo and a big stupid rectangle goatee <laughs> and gold chain <laughs> goatees are running rampant this episode and yeah. i'm not fucking here for it this is where i stopped and googled when were goatees in style and i ended up killing 30 minutes reading about why goatees make people look evil and why patchy beard growers are obsessed with goatees and they praise their fellow goat man white jesus for the style of the goatee <laughs> he also had really long black hair with like a low pony like a yeah. colonial pony but it was like long and thick he had a thick colony pony he sucked yeah. and he looked like he would take the advice of the guy mystery from fucking what was that show oh, yeah yeah that the- awful show where it was like it's like, I'm mean to women because it makes them want me more. Yeah, God, I fucking can't believe that. It's a, oh God. The pickup artist. Yeah. This guy is a version of that guy. Yeah. I can't think about that guy <laughs> without having a visceral reaction. Yeah. What a piece of shit. So he got his money back once he returned her and also got an annulment. He now has a new wife, Nay Ling. She walks in super submissive and offers them something to drink and he just like excuses her. You have to watch 90 Day Fiance. This is yeah. so yeah. that show. 100%. He's like, no doll, they won't be here much longer. Ugh. He's like, well, I returned Ava because she was running around with some dentist. Mm-hmm. Fuck you, mystery. <laughs> okay, so now we're in the dentist office. He liked Ava. He said that she was pretty smart, exotic, etc. And he wanted to marry her. And he said that Paul Amis, Ava's Euro match guy, ponytail man, was beating her up. And he beat her up so bad, hit her so hard one time that the dentist had to put five caps in her mouth. Yeah. it's I need them to wrap up that portion. And they don't. And that guy needs to go to jail. But anyway, Ava and the dentist met at a party. And when she found out that he was the, quote, dentist to the stars, she was all over his shit. Mm-hmm. They were going to get married and whatever else. And then he ended up calling off the wedding plans because he found out that Ava had lied to him about coming over as a student and how family had brought her over here. He found this out because he had hired a private detective and he didn't want to marry a mail order bride, quote unquote, gold digger and said something about Russian Natasha's and like, I don't need one of those. Fuck so I was you. like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> 
So I'm like, you were engaged before you looked into that shit? Also, God forbid a woman have a life different from your fantasy of her before she meets you. They're grossed out by him. They're like, all right, well, you suck too, even though... Every guy she meets sucks. Every I mean, dude. Welcome yeah. to... Existence. <laughs> so he goes and gets Ava's dental records for Benson and Stabler. Mm-hmm. Munch and Toots are now at Euromatch, and they're talking to a lady with a shirt made of satin sex sheets. <laughs> so I assume she runs shit. <laughs> she goes, we match girls with traditional values with men who want wives instead of partners. There's jizz like- all over her shirt. <laughs> Sorry, that was like 15 minutes later. I know. I was in my head. I'm going, why? Because, from what? And I'm like, oh, because they were sheets. They yeah. were sex sheets. So at Euromatch, they send their clients overseas to meet a bunch of women. And then when he makes his choice, they photograph them together for the INS. Because for the fiance visa, you have to have proof that you met the person before they can get the visa. She asked Munch then if he's interested. And he's like, too easy without abject suffering i wouldn't know what to do with myself (laughs) good one munch that was good so green card marriages have to last at least two years or the person on the visa will usually get deported unless they're being abused she says that if she had known that fucking ponytail was hitting her they would have intervened and sent her to stay with arena they're surprised that this lady knows about Arena, Ava's sister. Mm-hmm. Turns out Arena was also a mail order bride. It just happened to work out with her husband. Not to be a dick, but when I saw them together, I was like, whoa, she is like way too hot for him. Mm-hmm. All this is just like super fishy. Right. So I'm thinking Irina like beat up Ava so it looked like she was being abused so she could get out of the marriage with the dude and not get deported Ooh. and just stay in the country. That's what I was thinking. I was like, these twin sisters are in on it together. Yeah. All this stuff. Yeah. So Benson and Stabler are at Irina's house again. Originally, Irina was afraid to tell Benson and Stabler that Ava was married because she was scared of Ava's husband. Because they're like, why didn't you tell us? She says he hit her once when she came to see Ava because she told Ava to leave him because he was beating her. Could you fucking the fucking audacity? (laughs) You hit like this guy is he fucking hit her her sister i'm scared of him he hit me once i'd be like oh my god i am going to puncture a hole in your gas tank and fucking light a match when you're gonna drive to the blockbuster or wherever you were going in 2001 (laughs) fuck this guy it's crazy that's crazy oh my god that's like because usually like people who are abusive try to look good in front of other people not just straight this guy like doesn't give a shit he's like i'll punch you i'll also punch your sister bring your fucking mom over i don't give a shit you know no shit (laughs) (laughs) bring your fucking mom over so he he had hit Irina because she had told Ava to leave him because he was beating her and came close to killing Ava once Mm -hmm. they really needed to wrap stuff up with this guy and they didn't and they usually do I know. And all we got at the end of this was just some detective eyebrows. Even if it was in the background of like a Stabler Benson walk and talk and you just see him and then he gets hit by a bus or something. (laughs) You know, while fucking Stabler is putting relish on his dog and you're like, oh, there, I can sleep now. Benson and Stabler are in an interrogation room with Ava's original husband, Paul Amos, the fucking ponytail guy we're just talking about. Okay, so he's sitting in a chair and they're like reading all of his harassment charges, like restraining orders filed by ex-wives. And this dude's like, you can't prove I raped or assaulted Ava. The best, though, is that Benson leans in and spells it out like an episode of Sesame Street for this fucking idiot. (laughs) I know. The definition of both of these words. It was so good. Yeah, and she's like, 
You think we would call you all the way down here if we couldn't? You bitch. <laughs> so Craig knocks on the other side of the window and calls them back to his living room, a.k.a. behind the glass. <laughs> <laughs> so Emmy wants them in the lab. Benson and Stabler in the lab. Those motherfucking dental records do not belong to Ava. <gasps> Slow pan in on the detectives as they figure it out. And like, Dave's is like, son of a bitch. Maury Povic pops out and there's a bunch of cameras and Stabler just runs out. <laughs> 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 These are not Ava's teeth. <laughs> They're fucking arenas. She's fucking Ava's twin. Arena is Ava. So now we're in the pre- precinct. Cabot needs proof that Ava killed Arena because that's what they're thinking. Yeah. And she's so by the book. They're like, what about this? And she's like, yeah, but this. And they're like, what about this? And she's like, yeah, but this. And they're like, come on. What about this? And she's like, oh, my fucking God, you guys. She just wants to fucking like have a solid case. Mm-hmm. And they always give her so much shit. They're like, you're, p- you're putting us in a corner. And you're like, she's like, I'm trying to help you guys. Bring me facts then. Yeah, you want the shit to stick? It's not my fault. So, guys, this might get confusing going back and forth between Arena and Ava since they may be switching names back and forth. So, we now know that the person who is alive that they're dealing with is Ava and that the person who is dead is Arena. So, from now on, that's how we will address them. Yeah, and for a a while here, I wrote like secret Arena, aka secret Ava, just for a while. But okay. Sure, it might be a good transition. Yeah. So they have some theories, like Ava's apartment looked over the crime scene where she was buried, but it was actually her twin sister, Irina. Ava didn't want to go back to Romania and killed her sister. None of these theories have any actual physical proof that Ava killed Irina. Yeah, and Cragen's like, come on, counselor, we've done a lot more with a lot less. Yeah, Cab is going to try to figure something out, so they got to go search Irina's house. They really just wore down Cabot to be like, okay, fine, I'll see what I can do. So we're at Arena's house. The gang's all here. Munch, Toot, Stabler, Benson, and some fucking street cops or whatever. But the cars are gone. But the door's open, though. Mm. So they walk in. And there's shit all fucking thrown around. Irina, secret oh. Ava, left a note for her husband and daughter saying she was sorry and didn't intend to hurt them. Mm. All the money's gone. Poor little Julia. I know. Munch and Toots are going to check if she cleared the bank accounts. And they need to talk to Irina's husband, George, a.k.a. Ava's brother-in-law. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it does get a little confusing. It does. So Benson and Stabes go to George's work site. He is pissed. Yeah. He doesn't believe that his wife, Arena, was the one in the grave and that Ava was pretending to be his wife. He's like, it's just too unbelievable because it fucking is. Yeah. He doesn't believe that she's gone. And he's like, my wife was a good wife and mother. All Ava ever cared about was herself and money. Mm-hmm. So he's just like, she could not have been pretending to be her all these years. Yeah. They hand him the note and he still doesn't believe it. Then Benson hands him the crucifix that they found on Arena's body. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, shit. And he has to sit down. Mm-hmm. He said that when they were first married, Arena would go to mass every morning and stopped three years ago. Oh, no, that's the same time fake Ava went missing. Uh... Yes. So when Ava and Arena had their falling out, Arena went and saw her one more time to talk about money. This is all coming from the husband now. And it's like he's piecing it together in front of them yeah he's like we had a small kid and we didn't have any money and she wanted to go and talk to her to her face to tell her that they couldn't lend her any money but then that same night arena didn't come home until 2 a.m and he starts crying (gasps) 
realizing everything. I get an intense physical response to any huge wave of emotion or like stomach dropping news or whatever. I would be barfing right on the street in front of everybody. <laughs> and pooping. I'd be like, oh my God, I have diarrhea. Like it would immediately give me anxiety, diarrhea. You know this. Yeah, I do. When Fake Arena came back. <laughs> Next time something <laughs> insane happens, I'm going to call Tasha. Sit down on the toilet. I got to tell you something. <laughs> If there's some like big piece of news or something that stresses me out or if somebody calls and they're like, hey, do you have a minute? I'd be like, why? Oh, my God, I'm going to get diarrhea. What? Is that what you felt like when I called you about the underwear? <laughs> about the underwear? Oh, no, because I was drunk. Oh, OK. So, <laughs> I was just like, but I did have a little wave of like, oh, my God. And since I've been um, really even keeled medicated, it's not as intense for me. Yeah. So when fake arena slash we knew that it was Ava, but he didn't came back she said that she was sick and spent the next two weeks in bed yeah probably trying to get the whole like daily routine down and her sister's dead so stabler asks him where his daughter is oh my god where the fuck is she everybody's freaking out yeah so they all go to the school i wonder if they rode together anyway they all go to the school i think they did the daughter's there thank fucking god and the teacher says that they just missed arena <gasps> 20 minutes ago oh my god oh my god oh shit <laughs> <laughs> So she came into the school. She was upset and talked to Julia and left. She gave Julia a locket with her photo in it. Julia says her mom told her that they couldn't go see the puppet man anymore. They called him that because when she goes to visit her friend, Walt shows her the puppet. And the dad's like, I have no idea what she's talking about. Julia remembers the name of the person they go see with the puppets, Valentina. <gasps> Julia says that she's nice. And I... I'm in love with this child. She yeah, is she's cute, this little real, girl. Real fucking cute. Back at the precinct, Toots tells Cragen that Fake Arena slash Ava cleaned out the bank accounts. She also was withdrawing $300 on the last Friday of every month. They assume George doesn't know because her name was on all of the like checks for bills and everything. So it looks like she was in charge of paying the bills. So he has no idea what's going on financially. So yeah. it's easy for him to miss the $300. Right. They matched calls she was regularly making on the last Friday of every month. And she was calling Euromatch. Fucking Valentina Belesquez. This is the chick in the fucking sex shirt. Yeah. The sheets. <laughs> the sex sheets shirt. Yeah. She was the owner of the mail order bride company. Yeah. So it's like, why is Ava fucking calling her? Right. So there's something fishy with the mail order bride company now. Why is Ava going to a matchmaker? I'm guessing that she's biding time, but trying to set up another arrangement. Oh. So that was just where I was at. Right. I'm wrong, because here we go. We're at Ural Match. Munch and Toots show up, demanding to see Valentina. So this fucking guy comes up. He must be Walt. I called him Four Eyes. I don't know. He has glasses on. Like, who cares? I have glasses. I don't know. <laughs> Me too. I'm like, fucking, fucking Four Eyes. eyes. <laughs> yeah. uh, Harry Potter looking motherfucker. <laughs> he says he doesn't know what's going on. He's like, I just give the money to fucking Valentina. Munch is like, oh yeah, where's your puppet? They tell him he's going to be an accessory to smuggling women unless he fucking tells them more. And he's like, uh, I think she's in her office at the warehouse down in Chelsea. They really have this guy pressed to the wall. And <laughs> the more he talks, the more he's like, I don't know what's happening. I just I do clerical work. I do paperwork. I, yeah, I go get coffee. <laughs> she's like his clerk or something. That's it. Yeah, not not even like an assistant or anything. Just like he doesn't know shit. Yeah. So now we're down at Valentina's other office and it looks like a, a brothel 
I'm guessing mm-hmm. like women are running around screaming police, scantily clad. There's men. Valentina comes out of the office. They arrest her for a litany of charges, including kidnapping, unlawful imprisonment, and promoting sex work. Yeah. Illegal sex work, which is all sex work, but it shouldn't be. But anyway. Right. They walk into the office and... Ava is there holding another woman and she's yelling, no. Benson grabs her and arrests her for the murder of her twin sister, Irina. The other woman that Ava is holding on to is like, what? This isn't Ava. This is Irina. Yeah. Like the woman that's with her. Turns out this woman, Ava and Irina's little sister and Ava... <laughs> who is pretending to be Irina. Who's pretending to be Irina. So even the sister thinks that she's Irina, yeah. okay? She's trying to buy her freedom. But she's being human fucking trafficked. Yeah. She's a sex slave. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so now we're in the interrogation room. We're talking like this is real. I know. It's like, oh my God, we have to get this straight. <laughs> Ava, who she's pretending to be Irina. This is the most... Twisty. Like, this should have been on at noon, after fucking Good Morning America. Yeah, when I had mono. They need to change the intro of the show and put like rose petals falling in front of everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody in the precinct knows how to do magic. Valentina's like, hey, I got everybody these silk shirts. Put them on. (laughs) We're going a different direction. They're like, ooh. Okay, so Benson and Stabler are in an interrogation room. Ava is insisting that she did not kill Irina. Mm -hmm. She says that when she came back to her apartment, Irina was dead on the floor. Okay? Yeah. So she was like, boop, boo, oh my God. I know, Diane. It's crazy. <laughs> her neighbor had the ground dug up, so she dragged her to the garden and buried her. Yeah, so it's like, what the fuck? You just drag a body down like three flights of stairs to a neighbor's house? Right. I don't think so. Like, that doesn't I make remember, sense. remember, they were planting those hostas. Mm-hmm. So she's like, ooh, there's a hole in the ground. Great place for a body. She also said that she buried the collar and leash with Irina to bury her past. So she didn't right. call the police because whoever killed Irina was actually looking for Ava. She's like, you know, Irina's my twin sister. Whoever killed her was actually coming to my apartment looking for me and mm. thought Irina was her. This is so fucking, I hope this comes across. I know, yeah. Benson and Sabler say they can help her if she cooperates. She said, in my fucking country, the police don't help anybody and neither do you guys. Right. So, okay, she's like, Valentina had our sister, so I had to get her out. So all Mm -hmm. of this is making terrible sense. But Ava was supposed to be the one who was home. She was supposed to be the one that was killed. Arena was there by coincidence. Mm -hmm. And so she ended up being the one who was killed. And Ava was still like, okay, well, what am I going to do? They think I'm dead, but I still have the chance to like save my other sister. Yeah. So she just had to put Arena in the ground and be like, all right, fucking full steam ahead. My goal is to save my sister. Yeah. Okay. On the other side of the glass... In Cragen's foyer, Cragen is thinking that maybe Ava was protecting whoever did kill Irina, maybe mm-hmm. Valentina, because they um, still think that Ava was a, this like money hungry grubbing piece of shit lady, right? Right. Yeah. And Benson and Stabler were in the interrogation room, but they come in and join Cragen and Cabot in the little think tank. Yeah. And Stabler's like, "There's no way someone her size mm-hmm. dragged Irina down three flights of stairs in a garbage bag." Yeah. And Gabe's like, "Oh my God, Stabler." We are a match made in heaven because I thought that too. Yeah. And Stabler's like, Gabe, I love you. And Gabe's like, oh my God, I've waited for this day my entire life. No, I was like, I gotta be cool. So I was like, yeah, I know. Me too. And then you like <laughs> negged him a bunch and he's like, like me. And you're like, I don't know. And I was like, I love you. They're on the other side of the glass, kind of like trying to figure shit out. So they're like, maybe this has to do with Valentina since Ava was trying to get the sister out of there. So they need to go and talk to the other sister. 
So Munch and Toots and the sister are in a freaking talking room or whatever. Her mind is just blown. Like she did not know it was Ava. And she hasn't seen her sisters in years since Valentina brought her to the sex slave brothel place. Yeah. She's like, so I wasn't, I couldn't tell. I'm surprised, this, like, surprised George couldn't tell either, the Irina's husband. Yeah, but identical twins. I mean. Yeah, I know. Munch tells her that Ava has been impersonating Irina and probably murdered her. She right. doesn't believe that Ava would kill Irina or anyone else for that matter. She says Valentina did all this. Valentina promised her marriage in a new life, just like she did with Irina and Ava. She went yeah. to Valentina's parties in Bucharest to meet American men and a dude proposed. So Valentina brought her to New York City. She did marry the dude, but the pig changed his mind and she was worried that she would get deported. Valentina kept her at the brothel and forced her to be a sex worker until her debt was paid off. Right. And Toots, mm, and Toots goes, why didn't you say no? I wish I could be in the corner of the room with a spray bottle on the stream setting. <laughs> yes. So every time they said some kind of dumbass shit like that, I'd give them a firm no and a spritz <laughs> from the <Yes>. spritz. <laughs> Oh my god, I we need this. I need to Photoshop you as just sitting there like with a <laughs> <He's> fucking... <laughs> Valentina ha has the 90-day guarantee, and if the husband wants to, quote, like, return her, he can get his money back. So right. it's 50K. Yeah, so her guarantee comes at a cost to the woman. So she is forced to work off the debt in this brothel. And so the sister's been in there for three and a half years. <sighs> and then fucking Toots again is like, why didn't you run away? And then I'm like... No. <laughs> and she couldn't run away because Valentina said she would kill her sisters. You guys, again, you work in sex crimes. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Right. And I hate that they keep asking, like, why she didn't do anything. Like, fuck off, you guys. She obviously yeah. didn't choose this. They should know this. Whatever. So Cabot walks into the interrogation room to talk to Valentina. Valentina's like, how much is the bail? When can I leave? And Cabot's like, bitch. Hey, you're not going anywhere except Rikers. How? How? The judge probably won't let her have bail since she's being charged an accessory to Irina's murder. Yeah. Cabot tells her that Ava threatened to blow the whistle and Valentina was going to kill her, but got Irina by mistake. And Cabot's yeah. like, who fucking helped you? Valentina asked for a fucking lawyer. She's smarter than that shit. She's not going to just talk. Yeah. So now we're in the squad room. Cabot got absolutely nothing from Valentina and Ava is acting more like a victim instead of a perp which she is, mm -hmm. they're all afraid of someone's. And then this is where I was like, oh my God, it's the fucking orchid guy, the fucking Romanian mission guy. Yeah, I forgot about him. You're on top of shit this episode. I think so, because yeah. the orchid thing, it was just too much like the secretary. It was too weird. It was too um, super villain. Yeah, yes, exactly. But I didn't even think of it. So Craigan wants them to go through Valentina's office to find shit. And Craigan sends Stabler and Benson to get Arena's husband, George, back in because he may be able to help them get Ava to talk. Right. Back at Euromatch, Munch and Toots have a search warrant for Valentina's and are hassling the assistant guy. You know, that fucking four-eyed piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Walt with the puppet. He's fine. He's totally fine. <laughs> So they're harassing him about who Valentina's partnered with and where her, quote, whorehouse records are. Mm -hmm. This little fucking nerd is so rattled. Just He's not going to give you guys anything. They, like, really give it to him each time they talk to him, too. Yeah. And, Toots, you are intimidating. Mm -hmm. Like, you're good at playing the hard cop. Munch is just like... I'm a noodle with sunglasses. <laughs> I'm a noodle duck with sunglasses. <laughs> Did I tell you I was Jewish? I've been married three times. <laughs> they hate me. 
and he fucking slips down the drain. <laughs> Get back out of my fork. Quack, 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 quack. So this guy's like trying to give them everything he can, which is nothing. Mm -hmm. But he's like, well, there was this old guy with a suit and accent that always hung around. Mm -hmm. And they're like, what? And then he gets kind of this tough guy little attitude, but he's little and he's like, follow me. Yeah, he like straightens up his shoulders and he's like, I can help you with something. And he shows them to Valentina's office back at the precinct. (laughs) Follow me. Craig and Cabot tell Benson and Stabler that Valentina's silent partner is Razvan Tosku. AKA Romania Deputy Chief of Mission and Orchid Lover. Boom. Nice job, dude. Mm-hmm. And they can't do shit because he's a diplomat. They need to interview those orchids. <laughs> <laughs> So this orchid guy could get visas and keep girls coming and keep making money. George showed up and said he was willing to help them with Ava. And I'm like, oh, my God, he looks so sad. But then I stopped feeling sorry for him in a minute. But I do feel really sorry for him, like right when he comes in. We're in the interrogation room, the other side of the glass in Craigan's dining room. George didn't know about Ava and Arena's other sister. They let him know that they found her forced into sex work and that Ava was trying to buy her freedom with the money she stole from him. And then so they let George go in to talk to Ava. And he comes in. He's like, we shared a bed. You raised my daughter for the last three years. Like, it was all a lie. And she, like, kind of clutches on him a little bit and says, like, Irina was dead. She would have wanted this. And he's, like, Mm. cringed out and, like, starts to back away, which I get. I get I get it. But at the same time, it's like no one is addressing her victimhood. I know. Yeah. But like having, you know, having your like dead wife's twin sister come up and be like, she would have wanted this. It just that's to me would be like a lot. Like I just found out that you weren't actually my wife. Anyway, so George is like, they know about Tosku, whatever. Why did he kill Arena? And Ava said that it was because she threatened to call the police on him if he didn't let her sister Oksana go. That's when we learned out the little sister's name is Oksana. So when Tosku came over to fucking kill Ava, he thought Arena was her. Ava saw him outside of her apartment building. He he had left Arena in a plastic bag next to the trash. So she went and looked in the plastic bag, saw her fucking dead sister, and had to think quickly. This is all survival mode at this point. Mm-hmm. She put on her wedding rings and buried her sister next door in the neighbor's garden. So when he went up thinking that this was Ava, he had raped her and mm-hmm. made her wear the collar and leash. This mm-hmm. wasn't Ava throwing away her past. This is something that Tosco did to her sister. Mm-hmm. He did to Arena what he used to do to Ava. Mm-hmm. Then George is like, how could you let that happen? And I was like, what? This is where we all get to be mad at George, yeah. right? Like, we get it that you're upset and that you're grieving, but Ava is a fucking victim, all right? And she wasn't even there. She right. wasn't there. She couldn't stop it. She found her fucking twin sister. She's been with this bitch since she was in the womb, and they're both coming to America trying to have a better life, and this is what happened, and then this is how you're treating her after you find out the torture that she's been yeah. living with in an isolated place for the last three years and you look into a garbage bag and you see your fucking you would literally shit and barf at the same time like what the fuck there just would have been fucking bodily fluid evidence of mine everywhere so she screams at george that she wasn't there and she couldn't stop it yeah and she didn't tell george because as long as they thought that she was dead they were all safe him his daughter and her all the men that she saw and the jewelry and money that she stole was all used to get Oksana out. And George is still fucking pissed and takes off asking her, how could you live with yourself? 
And I'm like, what? oh my fucking God. On top of this, you find out that this whole time you've been paying her as this money hungry gold digging trollop when really she's just trying to save her fucking sister. Fuck all of you guys. Yeah, yeah. Men, I mean. <laughs> okay, on the other side of the glass in Craig and Sunroom, Benson, Stabler, Craig, and Cabot completely believe what Ava said to George. That makes Tosku the only one at the scene of Arena's murder. But they literally could have videotape of him killing Arena and they still couldn't do shit because of his diplomatic immunity. They really need to change this shit. Like, make some rules yeah. where murder and sex slavery don't count with immunity. Like, Jesus Christ, how, how is this a thing? Anyways, there has to be something that Cabot can do. So Cabot does this walk and talk with some silly dude. I don't know why I thought he was silly. He was just, like, not important silly dude yeah he he was this like silly looking dude with flat iron hair think david arquette around this time period right yes he says that it's really hard to get a country to waive diplomatic immunity they're really just talking about appealing to the decency of the people who make the rules mm -hmm. so this scene is the equivalent of a cartoon going i've got a plan first we're going to and they cup their mouth and put it over their ears. So, like, we as viewers are like, what is it? Mm -hmm. So that's basically what this whole... And then we'll... And yeah. then the person listening like, is like, oh, oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So now Cabot and Silly Guy are talking to Tosku and his diplomatic representative or whatever, this lawyer mm -hmm. guy. They're going to have a real hard time if the evidence is just Ava's eyewitness account because she has a, quote, bad reputation. Cabot's pissed because they won't waive the diplomatic immunity of Tosku. Her silly bud says that they're going to leave him no choice but to declare Tosku persona non grata and he has 48 hours to get out of the country. Persona non grata basically means he's not welcome here. Right. This means that Tosco like gets away with shit and only has to go home. That's it. You have to leave. Yeah. And Cabot's like zero what? consequence for killing someone, human trafficking people, like all of this shit. Yeah. And he was just like, cool. So now we're in Craigan's office. Benson, Stabler, and Craigan are fucking pissed. But it bought them 48 hours to figure something out. If the Romanian government like found out about this they'd have him on the next plane to Bucharest. Right. So they, they need physical evidence besides Ava's word. So Cragen says, go back yeah. to the bones. It's the fifth time. Yeah. But guys, that's why Cabot insisted on having physical evidence from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And you're all like, oh my God, we need physical evidence. She's like, yeah, no shit, you fucking idiots. That's what, that's what I told you. I told you that. Yeah. I told you that. Wedge salad. I told you that. Yeah. <laughs> so now we're in the squad room. Everyone's eating Chinese food and looking through shit to figure out what they can use as physical evidence. So they did find some samples in Arena's underwear, but the samples aren't due to be back until next week. But they need them now. Oh, my God. So how can they be sitting around eating and saying the word panties without everyone gagging? Like They're pounding food and being like, oh, there's fluid in her panties? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's fucking gross. gross. So we're in the lab. This dude's trying to get shit done, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, test the shit now. And he's like, fine. <laughs> That's pretty much it. <laughs> Benson and Sailor are outside of Tosco's place. Tosco's like fucking loading up into a car and he's like being all fucking sassy and like, oh, yeah, well, I'll send a postcard. <laughs> I can't get in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Stabler grabs him and arrests him. He had diplomatic immunity till the test results came back. And there were two little pollens that were from the orchids he created. They have physical proof now, and his government waves his diplomatic immunity, and we're not happy about him being a pimp and a murderer. Bye, bitch. Bye. His government's like, piss off, take him. Your little babies is what got you arrested. <laughs> the pollens of my babies, doth they betray me? I don't know. 
now at the Grove Reformed Church Cemetery, Benson and Stabler kind of like walk away and Enva is standing over Arena's grave because it seems that they've now given her a proper burial. Mm-hmm. George thanks Benson and Stabler for everything because he's fucking there too. But then he's like, whatever. He's still mad at everybody. Ava is over in the corner and she kind of like does this like weird, like over her shoulder look like, come talk to me, you guys. And so Benson and Stabler go over. They don't say anything, but she says Arena can rest in peace now. And Benson and Stabler just like walk away and that's it. Zero response. It was super weird. Wow. Big surprise. Ava is left with fucking nothing. Yeah. What's going to happen to her? What's Oksana going to do? Oh my God. You know what I just thought of? What? The robot voice that Ketter does. <laughs> yeah. I think I know what the voice is because this doesn't sound like a robot, but this sounds like a robot. And I can't do it unless I'm inhaling. It's inhale robot. Sound like a robot. Gabe, you need to plug me in. <laughs> right? Doesn't yeah. that sound more robot It does, yeah. Do you think that the killer sodomized your husband with a banana? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, he's allergic. <laughs> I masturbate with a curling iron. <laughs> She's also my wife. I can't do the other one. <laughs> She's also. She's also my wife. Maybe that's what Ketter's like, doing, and I'm doing it. I was doing it wrong the other way. I think this is what she's doing. I right? think you're right. Yeah. Oh, it's two different robots. I promise to love you. I promise to love you. <laughs> we need to talk about Kevin. <laughs> what did he do now? <laughs> See, you did it. There it is. Yeah. Kevin's a little bitch. <laughs> I found the letters to your mistress in the cloud. <laughs> <laughs> the cloud is my mistress. <laughs> He knows more than you. <laughs> My grandpa is a pager. <laughs> pager? <laughs> My grandma was on Saved by the Bell. <laughs> she was Zach Morris's brick phone. <laughs> um, all right. My middle name okay. is Nokia. <laughs> <laughs> My family is part of the Texas Instrument Dynasty. <laughs> This episode wasn't necessarily based on anything, but I found some shit that thematically matches. Okay. So I'm just going to get into it. Jack Wayne Reeves was born in Wichita Falls, Texas in 1940. Ew. He and his his first wife were married in 1960, but that marriage was quickly annulled because the bride was only 15. (gasps) Then at 21, right before enlisting in the army... Jack married Sharon Vaughn. He was stationed in Italy where Sharon went with and stayed with him. And they had two sons together. One evening in 1967, the couple was still living in Italy when Reeves saw something outside. It looked to be a man spying on them. Reeves shot his gun out the window to scare the peeping Tom away. But the bullet ricocheted off some iron railing and hit the man right in the chest, killing him. (gasps) Whoa. Reeves was convicted of manslaughter and imprisoned in Italy. But with the help of his mom and some other supporters in the U.S., then President Johnson intervened and got him released. So he had spent about four months in prison for that. 
After his release, he moved his family back to Texas and settled in Copperas Cove. The nearest big city to Copperas Cove is Austin, so it's kind of like in the middle of the state. Reeves rose ranks in the military, becoming sergeant and serving overseas while his wife stayed in Copper's Cove. In 1978, while Reeves was stationed in Korea, he was served divorce papers. He immediately returned home to attempt to stop his wife from ending their marriage. And on July 20th, the couple filed a request to set aside the divorce. Oh. Oh, good. That night... Oh, God. Police were called to the Reeves home where they found Sharon Reeves naked in bed with a point blank shotgun wound to the chest. Oh, my God. Tasha, what is happening? Reeves was there in the room with his 10 year old son, Randy, looking on. Police found a suicide note stating Sharon was torn over her marriage and another man. Reeves told police that the couple had gone to dinner, come home, signed their will together and had sex. What? Yeah. Then he walked out of the room and she shot herself. Even though the police felt that Reeves acted oddly, Sharon's death was ultimately ruled a suicide. After the funeral, Reeves returned to Korea and married a young woman named Myung Chong. In the early 80s, Reeves and his new wife moved back to the States, to South Arlington, Texas, which is closer to Dallas. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I felt like it was important to kind of say where about these places were, but Texas is fucking huge. So, yeah. I don't know. Still doesn't make a difference, though. Reeves enjoyed camping and owned a travel trailer that he liked to take down to Lake Whitney near Waco. Reeves and his wife took a trip there in 1986, as they often did. But this time, Myung didn't come home. Reeves told police that she fell out of a rubber raft that she was floating in and drowned. He was off catching grasshoppers, so he wasn't there to save her. Okay. Myung's family felt uneasy about this story since they knew very well that Myung had a terrible aversion to water and would not get in a boat because of her fear. The police also felt that Reeves was oddly calm as he reported what happened to his wife. Nevertheless, Myung's death was ruled accidental and Reeves had Myung's body cremated. Her family was, again, extremely upset by this decision, especially because her death came soon after they had received a letter from her in which she stated she was going to leave Reeves because he was abusive. Within a year... Reeves was remarried to 18-year-old Emilita Villa. She was a young Filipino woman Reeves had met through Cherry Blossoms magazine, a mail-order bride catalog. Ugh, God. But then in 1991, when Emilita became pregnant, Reeves abruptly sent her back to the Philippines, saying the baby wasn't his. Very shortly after Emilita left, a young Russian woman moved in with Reeves. Now, there's all these accounts by, like, his neighbors, okay? Yeah. Her name was Natalie. They didn't know anything more about her, but her name was Natalie, and Reeves had met her through a newspaper ad for Russian women seeking American husbands. She didn't speak to neighbors often, but she made an impression, and then she was just gone. A neighbor of Reeves, who would have beers with him occasionally, reported that, quote, I remember her all right. She was a nice-looking woman, and you'd notice her. When she was gone... Jack said that she'd gone off to marry some other man. He said that she'd had other boyfriends all along and he didn't mind. He said she'd married one of them and moved off to Washington. Emilita, who was back in the Philippines, had sent photos of the baby that Reeves had claimed wasn't his. Mm-hmm. When Reeves saw the strong similarities between his son and himself, he asked Emilita to move back to Texas. Mm-hmm. So he's like, oh, I guess it is my kid. Come come back here. No. She didn't initially want to, and he convinced her to come. So not long into being back, Emilita told friends she was considering leaving him. Then on October 12th, 1994, she disappeared. 
Reeves told his neighbors that she was bisexual and had been having affairs and that she up and left with a group of bisexual women. Okay. And he didn't seem too concerned. While Emilita's friends were concerned, so they filed a missing persons report. Detective Buddy Evans was on the case and immediately did not like Reeves, okay? When they went to talk to him initially, he wasn't bothered that she was gone and annoyed that the police were even there. Detective Evans called Tom Lenore in homicide because of all the little red flags that he was noticing. Mm -hmm. And the two of them talked to Emilita's friends who told them about Reeves' former wives who had died. They also learned that the day after Emilita vanished, Reeves had the carpet replaced along with sections of the subfloor. Emilita's Nissan Pathfinder was found in a local store parking lot, and the seat was in a position that was not conducive to a driver of Emilita's tiny build. Like, she Mm -hmm. was a very small person, and the seat was back way too far. Yeah. Lenore said, the homicide detective said, quote, that's when we started looking at the Sharon Reeves case, his second wife who had died of suicide. Yeah. We did a background and got suspicious. I mean, three wives, two dead and one missing. I talked to Jack Reeves. He seemed open and intelligent. He's authoritative and he seems to know what he was talking about and talked about everything. The army, his wives, his trucks, just as long as he was in control of the conversation, he kept talking. Then as soon as I questioned him, as soon as I showed the slightest doubt about what he was telling me, he shut down. It just made us more suspicious. And the more we investigated, the more suspicious it appeared. All of these women died just as they were about to leave Jack Reeves. Yeah. This fucking guy was also looking at new mail order brides in the weeks following Emilita's disappearance. So somehow these cops were eventually able to get Sharon Reeves' body exhumed. Mm-hmm. Sharon Reeves, who allegedly had died by suicide. Yeah. To their frickin' delight, Sharon had been buried in a very high-end casket with an incredible seal on it. Oh. So because of this, moisture was kept out and Sharon's body was well-preserved. Okay. Forensics examined her wound and ran tests and found her injuries were inconsistent with suicide. <gasps> so Reeves was charged with murder in May of 1995. <gasps> October of that same year, just about a year after Emilita had, quote, run away with a bisexual crew of women. I mean, do they do that? This guy was obsessed <laughs> with, like, she was having an affair and she left. He always had, like, a different version of the woman was having an affair and left. Yeah, and he's like, no big deal. And you're like, okay. Yeah, and, like, just disappearing. She joined the circus. Everybody was by. See ya. <laughs> so... About a year after Emilita was reported missing, a hunter found her body in a shallow grave. Mm. It was in a creek bed near Lake Whitney, the same lake where Myung Chung had drowned. Whoa. Jack Reeves had told the detectives that he hadn't been to Lake Whitney since Myung died, except receipts put him there on the day Emilita disappeared. Oh my God, he's such an idiot. January 3rd, 1996, Jack Reeves was convicted of the 1978 murder of Sharon Reeves, and he was sentenced to 35 years. He had a second murder trial for the murder of Emilita, and on August 20th, 1996, he was convicted for that and sentenced to 99 additional years with a minimum of 40 years to be served before parole eligibility. Damn. Even though the police were and are fairly certain Myung's drowning was not an accident, there wasn't enough evidence to reopen that case. I mean, she was cremated, so... Mm. I wonder why he didn't do that with the other wife, why he got a... I don't know. But so this Natalie, right, she just disappeared. Now, 
the neighbors didn't know any more about her. So it's possible that she just like broke up with him and left. But it's much more possible based on his track record and how he behaves when a woman is going to break up with him or tries to break up with him that he killed her as well. Right. He will be eligible for parole in 2026. And I know that's not quite 40 years, but that has to do with good behavior and prison crowding mandates and whatever else. He will be 85 years old and he's currently housed at the Ellis Prison in Huntsville, Texas. Crazy. I never heard. I'd never heard of that one. Well, well <laughs> fuck. What a, what a bummer. Next week's episode is season two, episode 20, Peak. P-I-Q-U-E. The murder of a software company employee leads Benson and Stabler to a fired co-worker who may have a horrifying motive for the slaying. Okay. They didn't really, they didn't give anything away on that one, actually. No, that's, yeah, that is the vaguest of the vague. Yeah. Season two, episode 20, vague. <laughs> Follow us on all social media at SVUPod. Check out our website, svupod.com. DM us. Send us an email, svupod at gmail.com. Send us ghost stories. Stories, questions, anything that you want to address or talk about for um, our season two TNG Q&A and wrap up. Because we'll, we're going to be recording that in like very shortly because um, mm -hmm. we are coming to the end of the season. Then we're going to summer our dicks off. Hashtag little bit loud. I'm going to make a list of podcasts that are using the hashtag little bit loud and put it on our Instagram because somebody asked about it. You can just search hashtag little bit loud and that's L-I-T-T-L-E-B-I-T-L-O-U-D. But yeah, I'm going to make, I'm going to like make a list and post it because there's some cool little podcasts. Yeah. Rate and review us. If you haven't rated and reviewed us on some platform, Apple Podcast, fucking Podchaser, wherever, started a Reddit thread, I don't know, do one of those things. Yeah. Why not? If you want, if you feel like it. If you have time. But we would love it. Yeah. No pressure. If you'd so rather for the support. run me over with your car, do that. <laughs> it's fine. You're so, it's so fucking Midwest. Just do it. Just do what you feel like. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the keys to my house. It's cool. It's fine. Whatever makes you feel most comfy. I made you a potato salad. Yeah. It's my mom's favorite. Flush it down the toilet. It's fine. <laughs> Before you murder me, I made a casserole and I'll just put it on the front lawn there. You just take it whenever you're ready. Do you call it a casserole or do you call it a hot dish? Either way. Either way. Stab <laughs> me in the face. Both. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather right. give my life than ever have you drink a cold cup of coffee. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'd microwave it, but what am I? A monster? No, that's you. <laughs> Wait, we're still talking to a murderer, right? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, that's it. So we'll... Smell you later. Smell you later. I gotta go. Love bye. You, bye. Love you, bye. Abby and I are married, and so Gabe and Meg will um, screenshot dudes on dating apps. I thought you were saying you and Abby were a married couple. Like, we're such good <laughs> friends, we're married. And I was like, um, excuse me. <laughs> Am I the side piece in this? Abby, you will always be the side piece. Sorry, Abby. <laughs> Gabe, you're secure in our relationship. I love you. I love and adore you so much. You're always going to be my number one. Shh.